0: Hello, friend. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Zach Holt, and this is Come to the Table. Some of our most intimate conversations happen at the kitchen table. Walls crumble as space is created to know one another more deeply. Our hurt and our heartache are replaced by hope and healing when we pull up a chair, let down our guard, and simply be who we are, where we are. In our time together, we will step into the shoes of others through recovery stories of redemption, offer resources and connections for those in need, and come together as a community starving for revival in our region. So if you're hungry, you came to the right place. We're really excited today uh, to welcome a very special guest and a dear friend. Uh, Linda Austin, uh, she and I have been connected for several years now and is just kind of one of those ministry heroes that, that I've looked up to ever since the first time we met and everywhere I turn it's Linda Austin, Linda Austin, Linda Austin And uh, so it's really exciting as we kind of start uh, this, this new show, this is our third episode that we've ever done and uh, just I couldn't imagine doing this with anybody else and so it's a, a joy and a blessing uh, and an honor to, to have you here with us today so Linda we're so grateful to have you
1: Thank you so much yeah. Zach, I I'm uh, uh, certainly humbled and honored to be on the show with you.
0: So you're involved in a lot of different things. Um, so but before we get into the the mechanics of everything that you do, maybe you can just share a little bit about who you are, your faith journey, and how it led you into the current season of life and all the different things that God has you doing.
1: Yes. Well, um, for many years, I ran from the Lord. Um but thankfully that blessed hound of heaven continued to pursue me uh and when i was 27 years old in april of 1989 i finally said lord i don't know why you want me but you obviously do so i'm yours and um it it's i've been hanging on for this ride ever since uh you know by the fall of that year i was working with the youth at church and you know just really become fully ingrained in the church um started involved getting involved in different ministries and um you know before I knew it zach i was I was on committees, I was you know the youth director, I was doing this and that in church three times a week and I finally one day I said there has got to be more to it, right? I had just, the joy of my salvation had sort of been lost in the mechanics. Um, I became very involved in the business end of church. Um, And so I just really started praying um, and started seeking the Lord in a more intimate way. And I ended up at a women's prayer retreat at Camp Bethel in Wise, and um the lord just really spoke to me there in a way that um he he got me out of that rut um but he actually for a few months i was actually really uncomfortable i tell people he took me to the woodshed Uh, he did not leave me where i was let me tell you uh some days i was like lord can i go back there but um I, I just, he started saying, um, you're still wearing your chains. Mm. Um, I, at Camp Bethel, I got up really early one morning and that's not me. I'm not a morning person, but I woke up and couldn't go back to sleep and didn't want to wake everybody else up in the bunkhouse. So in my pajamas, I slipped my flip-flops on, I picked my Bible up and I went to the chow house, the chow hall, the, we're the ladies, the only place in the whole camp people were up and moving around. It was very early. And I let my Bible fall open where it would, and I never thought about being involved in a prison ministry, but it opened up Paul and Silas. Come on. Yeah, Paul and (laughs) Silas. And I read through that scripture, and God almost audibly said, you're still wearing your chains. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what does that mean? Lord, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? And could not figure it out months went by I talked to people I sought wise counsel I prayed I searched scripture and I finally and I'm sure I'd heard it many times before but our pastor he prayed one night at church Lord help help us to see others through your eyes Mm -hmm. and I thought that is a really good prayer I want to start praying that and when I did the Lord just really convinced me that I was not loving people the way he wanted me to yeah and so um that discontentment fell away Mm -hmm. when when that realization happened and it was just like he opened up another chamber of my heart when i started asking Mm -hmm. to help me see others the way you do imagine that it was i know it was just everything changed for me and so um you know there's scripture, that scripture in Matthew, I was hungry, I was naked yeah, i was yeah. you know I was in a strange land, and that just really started burning in my heart and so let's see that was um two thousand one we started the Lord gave me a ministry to hikers. Mm-hmm. If you were different than me, I didn't want really a part of you. I wanted to minister inside mm-hmm. the walls. And so if you were, if you smell differently than me or, you know, your language, you spoke, you, you know, you cursed or, you know, I, I, I wanted to minister to the neat and tidy people inside the walls. And that was not God's plan for me. And so he gave me a ministry to hikers on the Appalachian Trail. Very different than me, most of them. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that scripture, again, in Matthew, hungry, thirsty, in a strange land. Mm -hmm. And I was in prison, and you came to see me. And I ignored that last Mm -hmm. line for a few years. Um, Mm -hmm. But then he would allow that no more. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, in 2008 started hands and feet ministries and uh, do a lot of work inside the correctional facilities also do a lot of reentry work um, work with children who have incarcerated mm-hmm. parents so um, you know it, it has all tied in together mm-hmm. of course um, about seven years ago i became the director of asac the appalachian substance abuse coalition a regional umbrella coalition that covers the 13 counties and three cities of far southwest. One of the things that we adopted in 2017 was a faith community initiative. Mm -hmm. So we brought many people from the faith community to the coalition table. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord allows um, those passions to be intertwined. And so many people from the faith community have come into the coalition, served. Many of them have gotten trained and carried Narcan. Many of them have learned about ACEs, um, suicide prevention, all of those things, um, because that makes us better at ministering to people who are struggling when we learn about all of those things. So I've been very blessed that the Lord has just intertwined all of my passions in one wonderful place.
0: That's beautiful. You know, one thing you, you shared as you were talking, and it's something we talk about in our in our community a lot, that we're not truly free until we're working for the freedom of others. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and how so many of us who are on a, a walk with the Lord, um, it's like something is still holding us back. And I love that language of you're still wearing your chains. Yes. Because unless we're working for the liberation of others, we're not truly standing in the freedom that Christ has paid That's for. Right.
1: You know, at salvation, He unlocked my shackles. <laughs> But I never stepped out of it. That's them, good. You know? That's really good. And uh, we have to participate mm-hmm. in that freedom. Mm-hmm. He, he unlocks it. But, you know, sometimes we allow things, whether it's things around us, things mm-hmm. of the world, our mm-hmm. past, uh, different things to keep us bound up and mm-hmm. not allow us to be fully effective the way he wants us to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is a song, um, and we sing it mostly during the holidays, Oh Holy Night, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a line in that song that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. Mm -hmm. The soul Mm -hmm. felt its worth. Mm -hmm. And I think working with folks as we do, I think that's the hardest part for me is people not feeling Mm -hmm the worth yes. that they have yes. uh, in the image of God, Yeah. right? We were talking about, um, you know, the Attorney General. He always talks about that. Mm-hmm. The value of a person, regardless of mm-hmm. where they are mm-hmm. in their life, mm-hmm. they are made in the image of God. That's right. And when they realize the value of mm-hmm. who they are as a human, mm-hmm. you know, then they start thinking maybe I do deserve something better than I've been given myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the hardest part mm-hmm. for me, wanting better for people sometimes than they want for themselves and yeah. convincing them because of the things that they've been through in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel unworthy. Mm-hmm. They feel broken. They feel, mm-hmm. you know, shame and guilt for the things that people did to them mm-hmm. that they had no part of. Mm-hmm. Um Convincing them that that shame and guilt belongs to somebody else, that's right. not them. Yeah, uh, and so I, you know, to see, to love on someone long enough mm-hmm. that you start seeing that happen, mm-hmm. uh, and them desiring mm-hmm. better for themselves, mm-hmm. that uh, that's worth the perseverance. Yeah. Sometimes we have yeah. to uh, endure. Yeah.
0: And that was one of, one of, one of my questions, uh, Simon, Simon Sinek in a, in a really famous Ted talk, he, he says to start with why, um, one of the best Ted talks I've ever seen. And, yes. and so it's this idea that before you talk about the, what, before you talk about the, how you've got to start with why. Yes. And it, when people ask me, Zach, why do you do what you do? Um, I described that moment that you just described. It's that visceral moment when you're sitting across from somebody and they finally see who they are. Because if you're trying to change their activity without reorienting their identity, right? Because you've got to get the identity right before you can get the activity right. Right activity flows out of right identity. And a lot of people are operating out of a lie of who they are, right? Because they've been shamed, they've been condemned, they've been convicted, they've been labeled. They've said, oh, well, you're just an addict or you're just a bad mother or you're just a deadbeat dad or you're just a junkie holding a cardboard sign and so people put these labels on them but that's not really who they are so whenever people come alive to that reality you know what I do have worth I do have value I do have purpose uh, you know, Outside before we started, we were talking about a beautiful story from Genesis 16 where God affirms Hagar and mm. he, he gives her this beautiful name for himself. He says, I am El Roy. I'm the God who sees yes. that we have a God who doesn't just see our suffering, but he sees uh, our potential and our purpose yes. Yes. and to be able to walk with people intimately as they come alive and discover who they are and then out of that new identity comes this transformational activity and it's like you don't even recognize the people that they used to be because they're living into who they really are instead of operating out of that false sense of self Yeah.
1: yeah absolutely
0: so and I loved uh, your how candid and transparent you were uh, about how you know different people like the hikers like God why why hikers you know we did some some feet washing together earlier yes. this year and uh, and I tell you, you you realize what your faith is built of when the, when the shoes come off <laughs> yeah. and you're sitting down there but but in all seriousness just how beautiful uh, yes. to be able just to intimately pour and and love on people so what have these uh, different people what have they taught you about about God and what have they taught you about yourself
1: um I struggle loving stuff Mm -hmm. that's yeah I love shoes Uh, I love clothes (laughs) I love material things and I hate that I love those things um one of the biggest things that I've been taught working with folks Right, you see it every day, like I do. People walk out of a correctional facility with the clothes on their back. Mm -hmm. They come out of detox, and that's all they have. Um, And when those folks have faith, Mm -hmm. they have taught me that that's more than enough. Mm -hmm. You know, we go into Northeast Correctional a lot and do um, services and and studies, Bible studies, and essential skill classes, Um, and new people coming out they're like wow i cannot believe the faith that those men have um and when jesus is pretty much all you have you learn that he is more than enough that's right and that's what they have taught me um so i am i am working on self i'm Mm -hmm. working on shedding Mm -hmm. things um stuff weighs you down it does you know yeah and uh Reorganizing and finding space, and you know, uh, I need to clear that stuff out and make more room for Jesus um, and more room for prayer and scripture reading. And um, you know, He loves it when we serve Him, but we can't pour from an empty vessel. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to pause there for just a second and uh, thank you uh, for listening uh, this afternoon or whenever you're accessing this content. This is Come to the Table, and my name is Zach Holt. You're listening to us on WEHC 90.5 and WISE FM 90.7. So here we are with Linda Austin, the director of Appalachian Substance Abuse Coalition and and just uh, an amazing uh, woman in in the nonprofit world and, and just somebody I really look up to. Um, so Linda, earlier you you talked and, and it really struck me because it's something that we've really been wrestling with in our community because a lot of folks think that if I just if I just try harder and I and I work more then I will get to where I want to be. It's kind of that American you know mm-hmm. ideology and something you said really rang true with me. Um, and it was your prayer was was for intimacy. Yes. Um, and it's almost like that that the more uh, intimacy, the depth of the walk that we have with God, the more we realize that the best thing that we can do is simply to let go and let God. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: so how, how have you seen, have there been any stories of people, uh, that, that you can share respecting confidentiality or, or however you feel led a, a victory story of how someone has found intimacy with God, how someone has found flourishing in their life. Are there any that kind of jump out to you that you feel led to share?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, and Zach, thank you. I mean, I am, you know who I am. I mean, I'm, I'm nobody to look up to. We're all in the ditch together. Uh, and, and uh, we take turns pulling each other out of that ditch sometimes though, but I appreciate your kind of words. Um, one of the, the first ASAC meeting that I facilitated, um, it was in February, 2017. Um, There was a peer from one of the CSBs came to the meeting, and um, she had exhausted all of the resources she could find in the community for a young lady that she was working with that was participating in one of the drug court programs in our area. And um, it was in Bristol, in the city of Bristol. The participant was living and working at the Haven Hmm. on the Tennessee side, right? Hmm. Because we don't have... Um, housing, resources for unsheltered in Virginia, Mm -hmm. in our area. Yet. 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 (laughs) Uh, We didn't have any until you came along. Excuse me. But um, the court was going to have to violate her Mm -hmm. because she was living in Tennessee, and that was not permissible. Mm -hmm. And so... And she was a poster child, according to the judge, for the program because she had, was doing everything right, except she was living on the, uh, you know, on the other side of that state line, which causes us so many problems in our area, you know. But the peer came to the meeting, and and we were having this conversation again, like we always do, about housing problems with housing. And um, a couple of folks from Abingdon Regional Jail were there. And they said, look, we can we can prepare these folks, you know, for months. But we have to be able to do a warm handoff. You have to be able to step in and help them find the resources they need when they get out. Without housing, you know, they're not going to make it. And so I, I said, you know, My board doesn't know we're going to do this, but when I leave here, I'm going to Glade, and I'm going to lease an apartment, and they can't really fire me because they don't pay me anything anyway, right? (laughs) So, um, and that's what I did. I texted my board, um, the executive committee, and I said, we have to do something. Mm -hmm. We can't keep having this conversation, Mm -hmm. and so that's what I did. I left that meeting. I went to Glade, um, leased a tiny little one-bedroom three men from the top pod, having the regional rotated through there in a year. But hands and feet, that young lady, she needed $1,100. She needed a down payment on an apartment, and she needed deposits on utilities. And she had to have a landline because she was a drug court. So they could call her three or four times Mm -hmm. a night and wake her up, right? And so $1,100 may have have well been a million, right? And um, so hands and feet, we paid part of it. I sent an email to a few people, and another 600 came. And together, we as a community put her in an apartment. And um, she graduated drug court, did amazing. She's very active in the faith community, the recovery mm-hmm. community. She lived in that apartment until they decided to sell it in mm-hmm. Bristol. And um, five years later, she had to lo- relocate. But um, it, it it came together because a community circled around her, a faith community. Um, that money mm-hmm. came from a very small church. Um, and so together, we put her in housing. And she lay down at night and locked her door. She knew she wasn't going to get raped. She knew nobody was going to walk through her door with drugs. Um, She had a place for her adult kids to come and and see her and have dinner with Mm -hmm. her. So, um, you know, and she's still doing extremely well, still stay in touch with her and see her on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But it takes all of us working together Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. make things happen, and uh, the Lord has used her in so many lives since then. Mm -hmm. Once he established her on solid ground um spiritually but also physically, yeah, you know because if you don't have a place to lay your head mm-hmm. you it, recovery is almost impossible mm-hmm. to hang on to, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my gosh, there's like a million <laughs> questions that, that I could ask right now. I'm like running through it. Um, but but I think the, you know, one of the ones, in, and I we talked about it with uh, Brandon Fielder in our episode uh, last week. Uh, it's a quote from Johari Hahn, who says that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, uh, it's community and human connection. Absolutely. So in what ways have you seen community or lack thereof play an integral part in people's recovery? One of
1: the biggest things that I love to talk about um you know Anne Ledgerwood right mm-hmm. um she has Samaritan House Ministries um she founded that and they do a lot of reentry work as well so Anne and I are constantly having this conversation about housing about treatment Doors popping at the jails and then walking off the hill. And so we decided December 2021, we were going to have a Zoom meeting. Um, Didn't know who would come the week between Christmas and New Year's, but there were four of us. uh, And it turns out when God's in the middle of it, four is enough to get it started, right? And so um, we decided we were going to do something about it instead of continuing talking and Within two weeks, when we met again, we found the building that Mended Women is now functioning in and um, open and changing lives. But that Mended Women Lifestyle Recovery happened because the community came together. Many churches, many of us, um, you know, came together. Many prayers were prayed. Um, Before we left, when we looked at that building for the first time, Zach, we prayed in that parking lot. And... um, some residents across the street come over and said, "Are you ladies ministers?" And we're like, "Yes, we are. <laughs> we don't have that title and we don't get paid, but we're all ministers of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And um, but that, that is a beautiful story of what can happen when the Lord's in the middle of it and the community comes together. Mm-hmm. We have been fully embraced by the community and um, you know that facility, there's already been two women graduating. Mm-hmm. And they left together, went to the same Oxford House, separate living house. Um, I was in there today, and another is graduating next weekend. And she's the smart one. She's going to Oxford House in the Outer Banks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Struggle's real. <laughs> I'm like, girl, you are the smart one because it's getting ready to snow here on us, I'm pretty sure. Um, so it's just to hear the laughter and, um, to see how healthy and well they are, is just amazing. So, you know, just the Lord has blessed um, our efforts, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's it's just been, you know, it amazes me when we pray for things, and then when He does it, we're like, oh my goodness, yeah, shocked, <laughs> really, no. you know. Um, but that is one thing. Um, he he was. Uh, I, I mean. Very quickly, we knew it was gonna happen because we just had a sense that he was in it all the way, so it's been uh it's been quite the ride to see it um pop open and see um the clamoring and you know I was there one day and when work was being done on the building um there were a lot of men there you know working and And I was there one day after it opened, and we only had a handful of of residents, but I was meeting with someone there, and and I had to do a virtual presentation. So I went down to the second floor where it was quiet to do that, and I came back up the stairs, and at the top of the stairs, I heard women. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) We almost made it, Zach. Um, I heard women talking and laughing. And I heard that sweet chatter um, that when the girls get together, it was almost like a slumber party, you know. And I thought, they're safe, and they're drug-free, and they know, sweet Miss Betty, they know where their next meal's coming from because she's in the kitchen cooking. And um, they're getting the counseling they need. They've reestablished communication with their children, and um, they were laughing, you know. And so um, after months of praying and working and not sure it's going to happen, yes, it is, maybe it's not, to see them living there and the beautifully decorated rooms that the community Mm -hmm. came in and decorated, and um, it was just such a joy. I was crying before I got (laughs) out of the stairwell (laughs) because it was just such a gift, you know, just to hear them. Yeah. Um, and I think know.
0: so much, so much of that is made, is made possible because one of the struggles that, um, you know, and I've, I've only been in, you know, this kind of work for, for a couple of years now, but one of the things that, that I see, is there is a tendency for, uh, faith communities and nonprofits, uh, to not necessarily be competitive, but not collaborative. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, we have this, this scarcity mindset that there's maybe not enough resources to go around. Mm -hmm. And so we're all kind of secretly fighting over, you know, and, and it just, the, the testimony of mended women to me is it's like, um, a, a powerful reminder of what can happen when we stop building fences and we just dig a well,
1: Absolutely, you know,
0: instead of trying to divide and mark out and say, this is ours, this is theirs. Um, and really the, the fences that divide are over just, you know, nothing, right. nothing. And, and so the, the powerful story of mended women, I think is, is a message to all of those out there of what can happen when we come together around one common ordeal. Um, there's a, a missiologist, his name is Alan Hirsch. And, uh, he tells this beautiful story about this, this band of boys in Eastern Africa and, um, the, they grew up with their mothers and the elders of the tribe, they come and, and they kind of kidnap and they take them out into the bush and they, and they leave them out there for a few months. And then the, the elders of the tribe will go and check on them. Um, and over time they, they, they develop this strong connection. He calls it communitas. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this deep bond because they're organized and rallied around one common ordeal.
1: Mm-hmm. And I
0: think when we, when we organize all of our ministries, all of our nonprofits, all of our resources, cause we have some amazing people in this, yeah. Area yes. and when we all get focused on one thing, right? If God is with us, who can yes. possibly stand against Absolutely. us? And I think God is calling us all to a season of mobilization, but a season of mobilized unity, yes. where we can all come together and realize: Look, nothing matters more than what matters most. We're yes. tired of seeing our sons and our daughters fall prey to fentanyl overdoses. Yes. We had another one in our community this past week, and when we're done, we're done Ooh, seeing yes. it. We're done seeing people die, and and it's like we know. Know that the solution is there and yes. it's like guys we can come together and God has such a beautiful vision for this region and that's why we're hoping between uh, this this broadcast and the work of Mended Women, the work of Hands and Feet, the work of The Table, Bristol Lifestyle Recovery, Salvation Army, Haven, all of these coming together um, that God is just, he's in the middle of doing something really beautiful. The so. opioid epidemic began here and so I think revival needs to begin Absolutely. here and it will ripple out further than we can possibly uh, imagine. So as we close here um and we have about 60 seconds left um and i do thank you so much for being here with us today linda such a such a blessing um i would just ask you what what would you say if you could give one sentence to the person who's out there and still struggling in addiction what what would those words be
1: you matter Mm -hmm. you are Mm -hmm. made in the image of god Mm -hmm. and um The the abundant life that Christ came Mm. to give us, he came to give it to all of us. Nobody's excluded. That's perfect.
0: What a beautiful way to conclude. Uh, Well, friends, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Come to the Table. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to your recovery or created in you a curiosity about what it means to live into a radical new mindset of selfless service to others. If you'd like to know more about our ministry or for coaching on how you can more faithfully walk with others in their time of need, we would love to connect to you, uh, connect with you and pour into you. And If you're interested in recovery resources, uh, you can reach out to us at thetablebristol117 at gmail.com or www.thetableministries.com. You don't have to walk this road alone. Grace and peace to you, my friend.